Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment for... Wow, messed that one up. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And lastly, no matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more from learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. You would think, Sean, since I have this all printed out and right there in front of my face, I'd be able to read it, but for whatever reason. I don't know if it's, I don't know, it's a crazy thing. But I do know how maybe, to read, though. Ma- I know. Ma- ma- maybe you just need a, a new pair of eyeglasses, maybe. That might be it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they could print the, the words right there on my glasses, that way I can <laughs> I can read it. <laughs> Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and Sean's nice enough to come on. A couple times a week and talk about what's going on. So, Sean, how you been, man? I'm um, really good. It's uh, uh, in the 40s here. Oh my in god! Florida. Yeah, I'm telling you, you know. So you guys shut uh, down school when it gets to 40, or do, you, is it, do people still have to go? Uh, yeah, I mean, brave totally the shut. totally. Sh- We're not even doing online. We just came and keep the, the routers. Yeah, the internet's hot, I mean, so called. Yeah, yeah it's surprise. Just, you know, just a disaster. Yeah, you know? I, I can imagine of epic proportions you're going to see. DeSantos is going to put out a, a uh, state of emergency. The, 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 we, we have an iguana, uh, an iguana alert because they just <laughs> drop out of the trees because they're they, they get they, you know, they they hibernate with the so damn cold. So, you know. Yeah, I can I can imagine it's just brutal. I feel it sorry is, for you guys right now. I really yeah, do. Yeah, it's <laughs> with, with the wind the wind chill in the low 40s just just can't. Yeah. Horrendous. Oh, frostbite warning, huh? Out there. It is. You know, yeah. I I'm amputating my fingers as I speak. So. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right, Sean. There has been um, one thing about the the ag news that comes out and the various headlines that come out. I'm looking at this report today, and there are I don't know ten or fifteen different 
articles in here and seven or eight of them are all rally around China so um, I guess as you take a look what's going on with China right now I mean they're they're in one day out the next according to them they've got record crops across the board best year ever as usual yeah. and I guess as you take a look at what's happening with with China right now I mean they've they're uh, 2021 corn imports were up 152 percent over the previous year so on and so forth. I guess as you take a look at what's happened with China and just that overall demand coming out of there, kind of feels like they can say what they want to, but they're still buying quite a bit of stuff from us. Well, I mean, they've been able they've been able to get away with buying a little less corn and a little less soybeans here uh, because they had that liquidation event mm-hmm. for their hog herd because of the second round of ASF. But that's now happened. And then now, as you know, we're pre, our work is telling us pretty clearly that they're going to start a new uh, herd rebuilding cycle that will really kick in in the second quarter. Um, and that means our feed needs are going to really escalate and their ability to, you know, put off purchases or buy less is going to go away and they're going to have to buy a lot. So they're hoping that South America can have a big crop. Uh, so they can buy a lot from them without having to buy a lot from us. I mean, that's what they would like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes the weather, you know, in South America, it's always important this time of year, but particularly important because, you know, we, we went into the growing season and it looked like we we're going to have this record crop out of Brazil for soybeans of all time. And then we had that drought come in that we talked about from the sudden stress of warming over the Antarctica. Right. Um, and it just, it just burned up the southern soybean and corn belt in Brazil, and now you look at it, most of the estimates have been gone from 144, 145 million metric tons of soybeans down to about 133 to 135. Still a good crop, but nowhere near a bin buster. And that's a big game changer. And of course, we're just getting ready to plant second crop corn in Brazil. Um, so we have a long way to go before we have any idea what that is. But But clearly the the hopes of this record crop in Brazil of soybeans is not happening. Yeah, um, we've had a dry start to Argentina, as we've been discussing. We're we're getting a rain, some rains now, uh, a pretty good rain event this week into next. Uh, but we do not believe it's a weather pattern change. It's what's called a transient pattern change. I mean, you get a a brief um, break in the action, and then the hot dry pattern emerges again as you go into February. And that means that this corrective phase that we're seeing in corn and soybeans, you know, could last a little longer, maybe it lasts for another week or so. But um, we think once we get to the other side of this and look and everyone sees that this uh, La Nina SSW pattern is kicking in again, you know, we're gonna have to put that weather premium back on. So we're pretty constructive that uh, Argentina corn and soybean crops are not going to be bin busters either. And that means that the Chinese are going to be forced at some point to buy more from us than they would like. So don't do what they say. Do what they do. Right. Their actions speak louder than words. And so they'll say a lot of things. We think at the end of the day, Casey, they're going to be big buyers of our grain here from the second quarter onward, the way we see it. So. Okay. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, I know the USD report came out last week and there's a you know whatever billion and a half tons of a billion and a half bushels of corn laying around someplace that I've talked to a lot of people and asked a lot of questions about in some pretty good growing areas about where they've got I mean 
What's your thoughts on that, man? I mean, where, where, where's all this corn at that, that supposedly we have? Well, as you know, we've been very outspoken with the idea that there is absolutely positively no way, um, at least on the planet Earth, I don't know about Mercury. Oh, okay, I didn't realize stuff. that. I didn't realize yeah, we were counting uh, everybody else, uh, too. But on planet Earth, there's no way we have a yield uh, that high for right. corn. We are temperature model that we utilize year after year after year um, does not support 177. It supports something closer to 172, 173, give or take. Um, so they've overestimated the corn crop. And that's why you don't see the bushels lying around because they're simply not there. And what they will do, as they always do, Casey, they never admit failure. They never admit defeat. They never admit mistakes. They simply adjust future quarterly grain stocks reports and just say, we don't know where the corn went, but it must be that demand is stronger than we thought, which then um, there. So we're going to make an adjustment and we just lost 4 million bushels of corn. So we think the real number is 1.1 billion. We think we're around a billion bushels of corn. Billion bushels of corn is, is essentially bare minimum pipeline level. Bare, what does that mean? Is means it's in the pipeline. It means you don't see it because it's in the pipeline. Meaning you need that corn right. in there to keep the thing moving. Um, but it's not sitting around idly in some storage bin with no with no purpose. It's in the system as a minimum. Uh, you know, baseline stocks, and so that's what we why we think we can't we don't see the corn because it isn't there because they've overestimated the crop like they did last year, um, and then like the adjustment. You know, mark my words, Casey. Whether whether it's the the uh, March or the June quarterly grain stocks, they're going to have an epiphany where they just all of a sudden see there's three or four hundred million bushels of corn they can't account for. It's just not there, and they'll up, upgrade their demand estimates and. Ethanol estimates and export estimates and say, see, we got, we were right, but we had, how could, how could anyone have known demand would have been this strong? But it really wasn't this strong. They just never had their number right. So, so we believe that's where we're heading. And that's a long term bullish for corn, meaning we've, we've priced in the big yield. And I th we think we have nowhere to go now, but lowering those supplies as we go forward uh, into June. So, yep. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the hog market here real quick. So if you look at what's going on there, I mean, China's showing they have a 29% jump in production. Um, their hog purchases have dropped off a little bit, but they've also bought a lot more stuff out of South America as well. So I, mean, I guess as you take a look at, at the hog market right now, um, you talked about that kind of moving into the springtime, what that looks like over the, you know, moving into the second quarter, that it could be some opportunity there. But I guess so as you take a look at that marketplace, what do you see happening? I think because of, of, of all the increase in costs and all, we, we've, we've not had the typical uh, herd rebuilding cycle in the U.S. for hogs with good prices. It just doesn't happen. I mean, the, the numbers are low and they're staying low. Mm -hmm. um, so every time we've had a knockdown in the market, the demand comes in and swooshes in and buys. And every time that the market has had a rally because the Chinese are not buying like they had been, we re, you know the buying drops away. We've been stuck in this thrashing back and forth market. Um, and I think we're going to stay in that uh, kind of a sideways trading, somewhat upward trading market, as I said, into the second quarter. And then, then because we don't have the animals and because we're not growing the herd, and it doesn't look like we are going to grow the herd, especially with the lower prices, you know, then we're going to kick in 
uh, Chinese demand back. And then that that's really going to set off another big surge, we think, from the second quarter onward. So, you know, I, I would just think that any time this market dips, if I'm a cash buyer, you know, I want to be a buyer of it, you know, and I, I think that's just where we're at. We're building for a big move higher, but it probably still about two to three months too early to see it just yet. But we've, we've, we're softening our bearish slant that we've had for a while, um, simply because, A, we're getting closer to the second quarter, and B, the hog herd, we thought we'd get some bump up in the hog herd, and we're not seeing it. So, Gotcha. Okay. Do you, talk, do you follow the, the poultry markets much? Sure. Okay, I'm going to talk about that in a second here. <coughs> All right, so I'm reading a report this morning, and it just kind of jumped out at me. And I don't know that we've ever talked about this, Sean, since you've been on here, but um, there is a report of um, some wild birds in South Africa, or South Africa, South Carolina, that have... Uh, reported some um, Eurasian H5 uh, avian influenza that they found. And so far, nothing's happened with the with the poultry market there yet, but it's one of these low risks to humans, but highly, highly, highly dangerous to, to uh, you know, turkeys and chickens and stuff like that that are out there. So right now, you're already fighting a marketplace that's got a pretty high price anyhow. You go throw something like this on top of that, throw a little gas on top of that fire with something like this, what are your thoughts on on that particular, um, you know, that particular situation there? I get some kind of avian bird flu every year or somewhere. Mm-hmm. We always get, you know, it, it, it seems like to be an annual occurrence. We find it always a little bit here. It's a little bit there. Um, I know I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, Casey. Maybe ten years ago, they had the big problem over in uh, in China and Asia. Um, yeah. You know, where where it impacted things for a while, but. I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't I don't think there's enough evidence to say it's something to worry about. We've been down this road before. This is something we've seen before. We I, I think at, on the margin, we have good prices. Um, poultry expansion, we believe it is happening. It's going to continue. If there's a bright spot for increased meat protein production, it's in the it's in poultry. I mean, we think they're going to put a lot of protein out, despite the fact that, uh, you know, that the beef herd and the hog herd are not going to do it. Uh, we believe poultry at this profit level, they're just going to keep producing until the price falls to where they don't make money. I mean, it's just too profitable and they can grow production very, very quickly, as you know. So, uh, you know, I don't see right now that being an issue, obviously something to monitor. Uh, but right now I just think it's more of a silent, uh, a story, a story bite than it is anything that's going to impact the price of poultry or, or really alter the meat protein supply demand equation as we go you know, right now. So. Right on. Okay. All right. Last, I want to talk a little bit about the box beef price. The box beef price has it took a shellacking there for quite a while, but now it's starting to kind of firm back up. And, you know, beef prices are increasing, you know, increasingly in packer margins. You know, those things are starting to come back up. Um, we're seeing some firming in um, what's going on in just uh, the cattle price as a whole. But I guess as you look at that box beef marketplace, what are your thoughts there? Overall, I mean, you know, we, we just we don't see you know, we, the, the, the demand is, the thing is going to continue to be pretty strong. Um, the supply, what we think is going to be, you know, come up way short this coming season. Um, the herd liquidation that took place, if we're correct about our wet spring uh, scenario and an alleviation of the western drought, 
Uh, that means we're going to have much better hay production, much better alfalfa production, and we're going to, and that's going to just really take off the table any need for further herd liquidation and get everybody to retain animals and and do what they're supposed to do instead of liquidating the herd. And that means beef production in the U.S. should be down considerably um, next year or next year in 2022 with demand remaining very very strong. And that's the case just about everywhere we look. Um, we don't see beef production growing anywhere of any concert. In fact, global beef production should be down 5% in 2022 as a whole, which is a huge, huge number. Even if demand was flat, Casey, that's a very bullish supply-demand fundamental situation. Uh, so, we, you know, like I said, we just think that when you're looking out ahead, um, grilling season, Omicron uh, ebbing, potentially being the end of the pandemic and moving to an endemic where we no longer have that kind of a risk of restriction fears. I mean, it just says, you know, we could have some a really good summer demand here with just no animals uh, to bring through the, the packing houses and beef production down. So we really think, you know, box beef's going to stay strong. And 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 uh, the pack packing house throughput problem that we've been dealing with for a year and a half, we don't believe will be a problem. We believe in any circumstance, there, there there won't be enough animals to bring through, and they'll just bid up the animals to compete with one another. So it's a good scenario for cattlemen. And so we think for the first time in a while, you know, they could really have the upper hand and, and could really, you know, actually knock on wood, make some money here uh, for a while, you know, for the first time in a while. Yep. So. Good stuff. All right, Sean. Hey, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of interviews white papers, sample reports to go over the various things that we do to see if we could be of service to your listeners. Right on. Make sure you guys go check that out. Sean's got a lot of great information on there. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. See you on Thursday. Right on, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com for all the latest information about Moving Iron podcasts, blogs, and also the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th through the 8th in uh, downtown there at the Hilton. So if you're interested in get some information on that, hit me up at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I will get you all the information you want. Also, whatever podcast platform you listen to, don't be afraid to go out there and give me five stars. That way Sean gets more famous than he already is, see? So check that out, folks. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving 
fantasy 